us today. And so today I want us to go back to the really the very beginning of the Bible, back into the book of Genesis and the early stories in the book of Genesis, see if we can find there some pictures that are speaking to us about Jesus. See, the book is not a book about prehistoric man. He may have been a prehistoric man, I don't know, but the Bible doesn't talk about it. The Bible is not a book about life on another planet. There may be life on another planet, I don't know. The Bible doesn't talk about it. The Bible is a book that is it is talking about God's plan of salvation for the human race. It, it is a book about mankind. It's not a book about any of these other things. It doesn't talk about uh, any of these uh, other things. And if the centerpiece of God's salvation plan for man is Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary, then surely you will see pictures of it right from the very beginning of the Bible all the way through. There will be pictures, there will be stories, there will be shadows there that are pointing to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and the work that our Lord Jesus Christ did there on Calvary. And so that's what this series is all about. And so in Genesis chapter 3, we read where Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you got it in your notes here, Genesis chapter 3. In verse 7, it says, At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. In verse 17, And to the man he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle for, to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Then to the man, Adam, named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Wow, there's some great pictures just in that little passage there. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The ground is cursed. God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And, but I don't want to look at those just yet. We'll get back to them as we go through the story. I want us to go on to the next chapter where it talks about their two sons, Cain and Abel. And so in chapter 4, in verse 1 to 8, it says there that now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, and Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So we find here that Eve, initially she had two sons. She had other children, which we're not told about uh, in this passage, but these were the first two children that she had. Doesn't tell us anything about them walking and talking and playing together, going out to the fields, playing footy, and talk about the important things of life, you know, by watching footy, watching cricket, and going fishing, and all those sorts of things. Doesn't tell us anything about those sort of things, but what it does tell us is what they did for their work. And one minute we find Abel's a baby. The early next part of his life is just totally ignored. And the next minute he's a shepherd taking care of sheep. And Cain is a tiller of the ground. 
Well, if the Bible only talks about their work, it is not because your work is the most important thing that you do. That is not the reason that it talks about their work. You were not born to get a job. Okay, so God missed a whole lot of things in their life because it wasn't important for us to know these things. We didn't need to know about their childhood. We didn't need to know about their brothers and sisters. But why did God talk about their work? What was the reason for that? Well, it's important for us to know what they did for a living because Abel is the first shepherd. This is the first time in the Bible where the word shepherd is mentioned. Later on in the Bible, we find that uh, it says that David will say that the Lord is my shepherd. It's a type of the Lord being our shepherd. And so there's a law in the Bible, which is what we call the law of first mention. If you want to know the meaning of something and you're reading through the Bible and it talks about a thing, then if you go look back through the Bible when that was first mentioned in the Bible, it gives you some understanding of what the meaning of what God is trying to say to us about that particular subject or topic. And so his occupation here validates the shadow of the fact that he is the first shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He ended up laying down his life. The Lord is my shepherd. And so we find that Eve had two children. She had a shepherd and she had a tiller of the ground and they both brought an offering to the Lord. Let's take some lessons out of this. First thing I want to suggest to you today is this. God may reject your offering. God may reject your offering. Just because somebody offers you something, it doesn't mean that you have to accept it. You may come to me and you may offer me a dish with coriander in it. And I would say, I don't like the taste of coriander. You, you, you bring me a nice cooked meal and, and you think, you know, you're doing me a favor and you come and you bring this lovely meal and, and it's got coriander in it. And, and I just say to you, no, thank you. And you get angry with me. You say, I went to a lot of trouble. I was thinking about you. I was concerned about you. And I put a lot of work and effort into this. And <coughs> now I've brought this dish to you. And, and you, you should be grateful for what you get. They say a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Let me tell you, coriander does not cut it for me at all. It just does not cut it for me at all. I noticed on April the 1st, there was an ad that went up on Facebook, and it was Subway advertising coriander cookies. I got a picture of it here Sunday. Look at that there. <clears throat> that would have to be an April Fool's joke, wouldn't it? Like that would be a coriander cookies. Who would like those things? Yeah, horrible. That's just terrible. See, God doesn't have to accept what we offer to him. There is an offering, the Bible says, that is acceptable to the Lord. And so we approach him on his terms, not on our terms. Okay, so Cain was a tiller of the ground. The problem with being a tiller of the ground is we read earlier that the ground was cursed. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the ground. Cain brings to God his work. Now, if God receives the work that Cain brings, then we would have to look at the whole uh, plan of salvation by faith would have to be adjusted because it would be salvation by works. And so we would be saved by works. If we were saved by works, the problem is that when we all get to heaven, we would be boasting about who did the best works, who did the greatest works. I did this to get to heaven. What did you do? Gee, you got in with doing that. You know, you were lucky, you know. And we would be boasting about that. The Bible says it's not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And, and so when Cain brings the fruit of the ground to God, God does not respect it. God doesn't honor it. He doesn't destroy it. He just doesn't honor it because it's not the way to get access to God. In Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter on faith there, it says, Now by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. How come? Abel offered up blood. He brought the best portions of the firstborn lamb of his flock to God. And God wants us to understand without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no access to God. Blood makes the way for us to have acceptance by God. So you kind of think, well, that's a bit tough. You know, Cain, how did he know? Like he's just trying to do his best. He's just trying to please God. He's trying to do the right thing. We go back to that very first reading that we had about Adam and Eve. In chapter 3, verse 7, it said, At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then God comes along. And God replaces the clothes that they had made to cover themselves. It says in verse 21, it says, The Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God had to kill something. Blood had to be shed. God had to kill something to make a covering for the result of their sin. See, Cain would have known. God would have t was showing Adam and Eve right at the very beginning. They, in turn, would have taught their children. Cain would have known. He should have known better about that. And so Adam and Eve, they sewed fig leaves. They're trying to cover themselves. What with? They're trying to cover themselves with the fruit of the ground. God's teaching Adam and Eve the problem of covering yourself with the fruit of the ground is that when you sinned, it separated you from me. There, there was a death that occurred and you were separated. And so separation from God means death. And so in order to restore that relationship, a life has to be given. Blood has to be shed for that relationship to be restored again. And so when Adam and Eve, they, they, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And so the moment that they cut those fig leaves, the fig leaves began to wither. You know, you can't cover yourself with something that is withering. Could be embarrassing after a little bit of a while. You know, it's not going to last very long. It just won't last. And so this was not Cain's first lesson. He was copying his father. He was making the same mistake that his father had made. And so the reason that God was upset with him is that he should have known better, but we find that the sins of the father had been passed down to the son. So Adam and Eve had been taught, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And God went out and killed his first sacrifice so that he could cover them. God kills an innocent animal. We don't know what kind of animal that was doesn't tell us but by the time we get to chapter 4 in Genesis we find that that animal was a lamb and so because Abel is a shepherd he brings an offering from his flock why did uh, Abel bring a lamb he could have brought it gone and killed any old animal could have gone and killed a possum and taken it why did he bring a lamb he would have been told by his father this is what God did this was a way to have acceptance and so Abel is we're getting some insight here to God's strategy for humanity and so we know the animal was a lamb that covered Adam and Eve's nakedness. The life they now live, they live instead of that animal. This is the first mention of substitution in the Bible. There's a shadow of Calvary where Jesus traded places for you and I. He became the lamb of God. His life was taken 
so that we could have access to God. He who knew no sin became sin. He took my sin and my death. I took his life. So I now carry his name. I'm a Christ one. I'm a Christian. I'm in Christ. I carry the name of Christ. And Jesus. So God said, now, now when you go before the Father, you don't just go before the Father, knock on the door, say, hey, Luke here, God, I, I've just got a few things I just want to ask you about. I don't go. He says, whatever you ask the Father, you ask in my name. When we come, when we come in prayer before God and, and, and we come in the name of Jesus, and God looks at us and he doesn't see our sinfulness, but he sees Christ's righteousness. He sees Christ as the Lamb of God. His blood was shed so that we could access again into the presence of God. And so Abel brings a sacrifice, a little lamb, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. He slits its throat, he kills it, he offers it up before God, and God was pleased with it because the blood was a shadow of what he's trying to teach us all the way through Scripture. The blood is all through the book. It, the blood is an offering that God will accept. Second thing I want to suggest to you is don't be angry with God. Change. You know, don't be angry with God. You may be all upset and angry with God over something. Change. You're not going to win. You know, you'll never win. You might as well change. Notice Cain's reaction when his offering was not accepted. He's angry. He's probably shocked that God wouldn't accept his efforts. That shock became anger. Why won't you accept me? Look what I've done. The hard work I've done. Why won't you accept me? In chapter 4, verse 9, it says, And afterwards the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? You can see his attitude come through. I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. He killed Abel and he thought he had killed the body. But, but God says, he says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I didn't even know that blood could talk. But God is saying, the blood is speaking to me. It's talking to me. It's crying out to me from, from, from the ground. God is teaching me that, that in the spirit realm, blood can speak. See, before God, blood is my attorney. Uh, that blood pleads my case. That blood intercedes for me. The blood is my covering. The blood is my protection. The blood is talking to God about me. See, when the devil tries to make you feel guilty, the blood says that you are free from condemnation. When he tries to tell you that you're in bondage, the blood says that you are free. When he tries to say you that, tell you that you are sick, it says by the, the blood says that by my stripes you have been healed. See, when things don't uh, seem fair, when uh, you don't seem to see justice that is happening in your life, and the blood will always have the last say. And people look at you and they say, you're dumb and you're cursed and you'll never be any good and you'll never amount to much and, and uh, nobody, you know, you'll never be anything. The blood will always have the last say. The blood says that I am received by God because I am in Christ. God sees the blood. The blood can talk. It doesn't just cover for me, it, it talks for me, it intercedes for me. When I have no voice, it speaks for me. No wonder Jesus carried the blood to the mercy seat. And Cain got angry, and sometimes we get angry and we feel something's not fair, and, and, and God says to him, don't get angry, change. Six, verse 6, he says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. He's saying that if you don't get control of the situation, 
If, if, if you don't start doing the right thing, this, this thing's going to come back and bite you. You're going to end up, you, if you don't get control of this thing, this thing's going to come back and you're going to do something that you regret, which is what he did. So he, he says, sin is waiting to get you. You're going to do something you, that you'll regret. See, God's trying to teach Cain through the offering, said, our salvation is not by works, but it's by faith. See, Bible's teaching us that it's the only way to get to God. We can't reach to God by building a tower up to heaven, which they did in chapter 11, just a few chapters over. Uh, we can't do that. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or Jew or Gentile, black or white. We're all equal before God. We're all sinners that are saved by grace. You, know, you look around, you see all the different nationalities, they're all different shapes and sizes and, and everything, different ages. We're all equal. No one's better than the other. We're all sinners saved by grace. There's no other way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. See, if you have a wrong attitude, don't get angry. Humble yourself and do things in God's way. God's not obligated to bless your brilliant ideas. His ideas are probably better than yours anyway. See, yeah, you're a product of his handiwork. He's not a product of your handiwork. You, know. you may have attended church and you may have given some money or you may be, have worked in the church and things didn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to turn out. And you get angry with the house of God. You know, you have your attitude, you know, say, Whoa. and you can be like, you've got the two sons in, in the story of the prodigal sons. One anger, he said, I'm out of here. He rebelled, I'm out of the house. I don't want anything more to do with it. I'm just going to go, go for it. The other son, his attitude was just as bad. He was angry with the father. He stayed in the house, but he was angry with the father. See, he didn't have the right attitude. It's not about you, it's about God. Don't be angry. Change. Third thing I want to suggest is that offerings speak about our salvation. Offerings speak about our salvation. Why was Abel's sacrifice accepted and Cain's rejected? And there's this theme that runs through the whole length of the Bible, and it can be summed up with the declaration in Hebrews chapter 9, 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. See, in order to have life, there has to be a living sacrifice. Hebrews tells us that Abel still speaks. He speaks to us about the right way to come to God, about the right way to become a Christian. How we can have a right relationship with God. It speaks to us about that. But it also speaks to us about the ongoing way that we are to live our lives before God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it said, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. A living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We come to God and we are accepted by God through Jesus Christ. He looks at us and he sees Christ and what he did for us. But then we continue to live for God. Each day we come to God, God, I give my life back to you afresh. Take my life and use it according to your will. Cain rejected this approach. He was a worker of the field. No doubt he worked hard, sweat off his brow. He had put in the efforts and he had grown this crop, which was he thought was a really good crop. And now he comes and he presents it before God. It was the best of his effort. It was the work of his hands, which surely thought God will accept this. He had heard, he had been taught by his father, Adam. 
This is not the way to get to God. But his attitude was, no, I'm working hard. I've done a good job here. And, and uh, if I put my effort in, if I work hard and, and I try and please God, then everything will be okay between me and God. I'm sure that God will accept me because of this. What a mistake he made. There are a lot of mistakes that you can make in life, but this is not one of them. And yet a large part of people that are alive today, they think that the way that they can please God, whatever God they serve, is that if they work hard and they put in the good works, at the end of life, somehow, in some way, because they've done good, good works, God's going to look at their good works and say, yep, you'll be okay, you, you can have access. The Bible says, however, in Jude, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Abel, the first shepherd, his offering cost him his life. He points to the, another great shepherd, Jesus, who was also the Lamb of God, who gave his life for the sheep. There is a group of church people, and they were having a social night, and uh, they were a bit like we are this morning, but a social gathering, and, and uh, just a bit of a talent quest. They're doing their uh, things just to uh, each other, and there was Mr. Jones. He, he had, had a great Shakespearean-type uh, voice. He was a great orator, and so he got up, and, and uh, he spoke Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. And the great oratory, at the end of it, everybody applauded. It was amazing. It was just uh, the way that he presented it, the wordsmith that he had. It was just amazing. And then there was old Smithy, the old farmer. He was there. It was his turn. And he was not too keen. And he said, oh, not really much good at, at speaking in front of public. And I didn't really know anything. And the only Bible uh, book uh, chapter I really know is Psalm 23, and but I can't say it like Mr. Jones did. But the pastor encouraged him, come on, Smithy, get up and why don't you share uh, just what you do know? So he began, Psalm 23. He related to how it comforted him when his wife had died. And he continued how he leadeth me beside still waters. Told about the dark times when the drought really nearly ruined him as a, as a farmer and, and he just wanted to uh, give up in desperation and Psalm 23 spoke to him and told him just to lie down in green pastures and he unfolded his life before the people and just interwove it with verses out of Psalm 23 how God had come and had comforted him and helped him in his journey through life through this particular psalm when he finally finished he sat down and there was just silence Nobody said anything. Finally, Mr. Jones, he got up and he said these words. He said, I may know Psalm 23, but Smithy here, he knows the shepherd of Psalm 23. I'd encourage you and challenge you this morning. Do you know the shepherd of Psalm 23? There's a way that we can come and have acceptance by God. Abel still speaks. He speaks about that way. Several thousand years, thousands of years after his death, he is still speaking to us today. There's a way of Abel and there's a way of Cain. They point to two different approaches of coming to God. They are two different approaches that we see have been outworked through the years, over the centuries, through by mankind in different countries and different generations for the ages. Some trying to approach their God through good works. Others approaching their life through the blood that was shed through Jesus Christ, who became the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Let me ask you today, do you know the shepherd 
of Psalm 23. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your words. We thank you, O God, Lord, that your plan of salvation was so important to you that you interwove it with the whole history of mankind. Right from the very beginning, you began to speak to us that you want to have a relationship with us. You want to restore that relationship that has been broken with us. That you love us so much that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we may know the shepherd. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.